You're listening to War for Idiots, a podcast by idiots for idiots. I'm not even kidding you. That as soon like, as you hit record, that cry has just flown in. Not it's just like, hey dudes, it's no, always a recording time. No, this is not for you, bro. Go away. <laughs> oh, <hey>. oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, people probably thought I was making it up. Legit. That the is crow is here. I wish I had crow sounds on my soundboard so that we could, you know, just manufacture crows. Yeah, if, it, if it's the professional soundboard you said it is, it should have every sound. Well, every I, don't, I don't want to pay the full price for the app. <laughs> so, uh, when you need an app, it's, it's a full it's an actual board. In in our indoors radio station quality studio. Right, dude, I am recording. Are rock and roll? Yeah. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, podcast listeners from all of around the world. Welcome back to another episode of War for Idiots, WFI. WFI. We are your hosts. I am Rich the Nincompoop. And I am Mick the... Tom Ignoramus. <laughs> what is a Tom Ignoramus? And we are indeed the idiots that you've been looking for and today. We can't even talk. We are talking about Maneuver Warfare. You excited about Maneuver Warfare, Mick? Yeah, just let me move around here for a second, mate. Oh, good, 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 good. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> I think we pretty much covered everything. So who are we? Well, we are also known as... The Jamie and Cersei of War. Now that is a Game of Thrones reference. I am, I am Jamie. I'm not going to fight you. I don't know why I wanted to be Cersei. I don't know why. Oh, she's kind of. She's. I mean. No. I'm, uh, ja- uh, <laughs> Jamie can fight. You know what? He's uncomfortable. The whole story behind those two. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and I'm Tasmanian. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, Game of Thrones. It's a small <laughs> show if you haven't heard about it. Um, get on board. It's quite interesting. But what are we hey, doing? Really here? need support. Really need support. So welcome back to WFI. Uh, we are here to talk about war. Um, and a couple of caveats before we begin. We're mm. making war accessible. Uh, we're not discounting the significance of war, making it more approachable. And today's topic is one that I'm extremely excited about, which is maneuver warfare. But before we get started, let us start with a quote. Mick, will you please read this one? Yes, I will. Give me a smart idiot over a stupid genius any day. Now, who was that by? That was by Samuel Goldwyn. Samuel Goldwyn was a Jewish-Polish-American film producer. Uh, he was most well-known by, for founding contributor... I'm not going to read the whole thing out. He had like three ethnicities. By yeah, Samuel, I know. There's so, so like, much writing there. Um, but he was also known as Samuel Goldfish. But You may call is, me Mick Fish. <laughs> my question is, do you think we're smart idiots? No. Or do you think we're stupid geniuses? Ooh, I think we're stupid idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know that was an option. Didn't know that was an option. Okay, so ladies and gents, welcome back to WFI. Uh, today we're going to talk about maneuver warfare. Uh, this is probably one of the episodes uh, where we're sort of responding to feedback. Someone said, hey, can you guys talk about maneuver warfare? Yes, he did. That was Amos. And uh, we're doing it. Um, so firstly, maneuver. Very difficult word to spell. Yeah. <laughs> without looking at the screen. Don't look at the screen. Mate, I, I will spell it without looking at the screen. Go. M-A-N-O-E-U-V... R-E. That is correct. So maneuver- but that's Australian and British spelling, so yeah, <laughs> all, the, all the Americans, all the Americans are, are flipping out. This guy is crazy. So, uh, so we're talking about maneuver warfare, and we're going to really try to break it down as much as we can in this 30-minute time slot that we have. So what is maneuver warfare? Well, we wanted to start at base level, uh, so we went to this place called Google, yeah. and the first definition that comes up is, and I quote, maneuver warfare is methods of war that stand on a continuum between maneuver warfare and attrition warfare. 
The focus on achieving victory through killing or capturing the enemy. Maneuver warfare advocates recognize that all warfare involves both maneuver and attrition. So in its very essence, when we talk about maneuver warfare, we're talking about a philosophical debate between when you're conducting warfare, are you maneuverist or are you of an attritional type of warfare? So it's kind of this debate between maneuver and attrition. So let's break it down a bit. Mick, what does maneuver warfare mean to you? So for me, much like I said uh, earlier, moving stuff is what usually comes to people's minds. Yeah, yeah you think maneuver is just yeah. maneuvering that's, tanks? That's not necessarily true, as, as we'll discuss later. But for me, maneuver warfare is just, it's not about throwing all of your assets up against the hard shoulder of the enemy hoping you'll bust through. Okay. You know, like if, if there is a wall in front of me and I'm driving a school bus full of nuns. Yep. Um, Weird situation, but yet continue. You'd be surprised how many times war, I've been in, in that situation. War, yep, um, but, and I'm driving and there's a brick wall coming up. An attritionist, and it's a brick wall I know that if I hit it enough times, I'll drive through it. Yep. Um, but I might injure a few nuns. Maneuver, I just drive around the wall. Yeah. Attritionist, I just keep hitting that wall. And no matter how many nuns on the bus I lose, yep. I keep going until I go through that wall. So um, we didn't mean to for this podcast to be polarizing. So to all those bus drivers that are currently driving a bus full of nuns out there, don't go to the wall. I went to a primary school run by nuns. So I have no regrets. Don't go to the wall. Yeah, and and I suppose that's you know in its very essence the, the basics of uh, driving around the wall or driving into the wall, knowing that you will get through the wall. You, you'll kind of get to the same point, but we're getting there in sort of different ways. Yeah. Okay. And what about you? Look. My, my sort of understanding between maneuver versus attrition is very much the same thing, you know, and I break it down to the the very first time I probably looked at something like a platoon attack, for example. Let's say the first time you think about how to do a platoon attack, um, when you sort of just realize that there's... Is there wind coming you get through? lots of mic interference on your wind, but I can oh, hear there? like a little robin redbreast. Oh, really? Working and it just makes feel really th- good. Sh- I thought he was throwing gang signs at me, but he's trying to tell me to cover my <laughs> mic because the wind's blowing. <laughs> but anyway, look. So when you first look at a platoon attack, you sort of yeah. realise, okay, I have these maneuver elements in, in their very t- nature. They're, they're sort of elements that I can utilise to do different things. Yeah. And instead of just throwing the whole platoon directly at the enemy, I can use a third of them to provide fire support I can use another third to make the enemy think I'm coming from the left but I can actually come from the right having the enemy deceived thinking I was going to come from the left and being suppressed by my fire support so breaking things down and thinking about it's you know you've got a problem well what's the smart way to approach this problem is probably what I sort of first began to understand is a maneuverist approach yeah on the flip side what is an attritional way of warfare I would have probably thought about something like what I would think in my head as the American Civil War. War where it's just the phalanx of soldiers with their guns walking towards another phalanx of soldiers, firing, 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 and then the attrition is, is just a part of it. And sort of whoever can amass the most amount of troops, whoever can take the most attrition, will win the war. So to me, in its very essence, that was the kind of difference between what's maneuverist and, and sort of what's attritional. Um, but I think it goes beyond this. Do you agree? I think it does. So I've just looked up attrition and what it says in google that's that's the quality of research you get you you may not have in-depth research from your war for idiots but you definitely have on-time research because i will research while we're recording you're welcome um no more maui quotes uh it's got here attrition is the process of reducing something's strength or effectiveness 
through sustained attack or pressure. But then the example they've talked about is a council trying to wear down the opposition by attrition. So it's not really a warfare. Yeah, and, and you know, that, that very simple definition that you gave off Google, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No. You know what I mean? And, and some people go, oh, I'm maneuverist, I'm maneuverist. You never be attritionist. But that definition that you read about attrition yeah. is not necessarily a bad way to be. Especially if it works. Down. Exactly right. And that's probably what we're going to discuss about the sort of flip side of the maneuvers versus attrition towards the end. But let, let's talk about, let's break down maneuver warfare a little bit more. Now, before we go too... Damn, I wish I had a beatbox so we could really break it down. Before we go d- too far into this, um, I just want to highlight that we're going to talk about maneuver theory now and that every country every country that listens is going to have their own doctrine on maneuver theory so so we've decided to be completely random so we've decided to be completely random we've just used the internet we have our own australian doctrine that that is slightly same but differentiates a little bit visit on cove.org.au um so when we go through these points don't yell at us because we're not following doctrine we're trying to be as generic as possible okay or yell at us just don't do it in an email like you can yell at us in your shower yeah 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 which is um which is known as the idiot showering yelling time so we're going to get our information from uh, israeli thank you israeli historian and war theorist martin van Krevel. oh polarizing i'm not allowed to polarize people no, with you're, not allowed, you're not allowed to polarize people with Krevel. now in his writing he has broken up maneuver theory essentially into six parts so now let's Ooh. let's we're going to go through each of these parts individually um some of them in their own way can be podcasts which we'll we'll uh we'll we'll delve into yeah. later but just by way of introduction so i'll go through them very quickly and then we'll break them down the six points that he says that make up maneuver theory tempo tempo schwerpunkt schwerpunkt uh pardon you surprise <laughs> surprise combined arms why are you not combined arms <laughs> flexibility and decentralized flexibility command. decentralized see what I did with my tempo decentralized command I disrupted your tempo I maneuvered your words so the first one is tempo oh okay tell us about tempo Mick so I don't want to talk about the example given here so I'm going to let you talk about it but for me tempo is not about being the fastest with the mostest um, yep. which I think was one American Civil War general's um, version of how to win get there the, the fastest with the mostest tempo is about Operating at the tempo you want and being able to dictate the tempo, the speed mm. or pace, probably a better term, of operations that is suitable to the way your force is structured and the way your force envisages achieving its tactical outcomes. Okay. Um, there and, is a famous fighter pilot who talked a bit about tempo. And sorry, before we go on to him, so when you're talking about tempo, are you? it's kind of like a balance between synchronization and orchestration? Yeah, so, yeah... We should, they're not even in there because Krebel didn't put them in there, but we'll have to call him. Um, yeah, and it, it is how you it is how you orchestrate your operations, ensuring that they are synchronized. Whoa, are you saying there's a difference between the two? Yeah, uh, but you know what I actually think? I think the difference between the two is not as important as understanding the underlying principle yep. is that when it comes to tempo, it's about dictating a pace, yep. not necessarily about dictating a speed. Yeah, 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 and, and you know, and considering time as a factor, yeah, is is the first step according to Martin Van Creveld, and and I'd, I'd find it hard to argue with that when you're thinking about things as a, as a maneuverist, when you're trying to be smart about how you're applying your forces, or really when you're being smart about how to solve a problem, mm. time you've got to yeah. think about the time. And we really are being smart about much. Okay, so talk to us about this uh, John Boyd character. No, you talk to us about John Boyd character. 
director. So look, when you talk about tempo, you're going to come across a lot of writing that talks about John Boyd. John Boyd is a fighter pilot that came up with the concept of the OODA loop. That's double O-D-A loop. Observe, orientate, decide, act. Something that's Whoa. ingrained into... And then orientate again. And then orientate again. And something ingrained into every young officer's mind. We're not going to talk about the OODA loop today. Because we no. uh, we have grand plans that this is something that we can really break down and go into the detail of the we history. Couldn't, we couldn't be fair to the topic, I don't think. If no, no, absolutely. So, But just know that a lot of manoeuvrous theorists, theory out there will link tempo to John Boyd's OODA loop. And for those junior officers uh, that will eventually listen to the OODA loop uh, lesson. Lesson? No, this isn't really lessons because people don't learn much. I think they learn about life. Okay, well, from one of our lessons in life, um, look at the OODA loop cycle. It's not necessarily the one you've been shown on PowerPoint slides. It's a more complex cycle. It's got like squares and stuff in it as well. So look up the, the OODA loop, but look up the complex diagram. Okay, next Schwerpunkt. one. Schwerpunkt. Yeah. So Schwerpunkt, uh, also known as focal point, um, is sort of the, the kind of focus, the intent, the key area of where your maneuverous forces are focused upon yeah the decisive point are we talking about a center of gravity here is this how you did int- uh, interpret this class which is center of gravity oh, i mean if your if your center of gravity was a was a key piece of terrain or maybe a key uh enemy capability you could make that your square point but it's it, it, it's the main effort where you focus <laughs> focal point good see that good uh, it's the main point where you focus as much of your energy as possible to try and defeat the enemy's plan. Which, when it comes to a centre of gravity, which is generally, this is general, remember, generally accepted as the key capability, terrain, or entity from mm-hmm. which the yourself or your enemy derive uh, their power to conduct operations, mm-hmm. and they kind of match up. This kind of t- this kind of links back to when we were talking about strategy at that time. You know, when you're, let's say, very basic tactical scenario, you're facing the enemy instead of attacking the enemy you go behind the enemy and attack their lines of communications this is the kind of focal point what 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 keeps that enemy breathing what is their center of gravity and their lungs and, thank you and what are you going to attack and you know i came across their a, lungs i came across an interesting article um that talked about center of gravity and you know again we could do a whole episode and and more on center of gravities but when we'll you probably think only of, do one because it'll be boring that, that's probably true but when you think about center of gravity you know, some people will think of the enemy center of gravity if we use a chess as an analogy. Some people will think of the enemy center of gravity as the king, because yeah. without the king, the you know you lose the game essentially, yeah, right. right? But some people would say that center of gravity in the chessboard is actually the queen because she kicks ass because she can literally do anything. Yeah, um, and, and it as the most powerful piece. So you know, are you a the kind of person that attacks the king, or are you the kind of person that attacks the queen? I, I think that's subjective. But what is objective is that. Everything that you have needs to be aimed towards a square punk of some sort. Yeah. Okay. Next point, surprise. Surprise! Hooray! <laughs> so, hey, so, we got a surprise sound. Surprise hey. is straightforward, I think, for maneuver theory. Yeah. Um, you know, do what your enemy does not think that you are going to do. Um, anything else to add for surprise? Uh, or do what he thinks you're going to do, just at a different time. Or do what he thinks you think he's going to do think he's going to do see surprise can get really confusing <laughs> you know what should be one confusion should be <laughs> confusion <laughs> aim to confuse him but not yeah. yourself unless it's just us getting confused too again. late yeah. but surprise is, is important so you know when you're approaching solving a problem be it tactical operational strategic time tempo square punked where's your focus surprise how are you going to stop the enemy from knowing what you're going to do to them these are the types of things we're talking about maneuver theory yeah 
Combined arms. Holding hands. Sorry? What did you say? <laughs> I, didn't, I did not say holding it. Oh, combined arms. Sorry. Oh, I just got it. <laughs> anyway, combined arms means using uh, multiple capabilities to achieve yeah. your effect. So combined arms, um, I think common common conception is combined arms is, is something that's only just come about in the modern world, world of warfare. Um, but I think since the first man and or woman had a horse that could have a sword with a bow, they were combining arms. <laughs> I think the holding hands analogy is probably more <laughs> likely for the first man and woman. But, but, yeah, so what Rich is trying to say is combined arms is modern parlance for something that's been occurring for the history of warfare. I feel like they got that. I feel like they got <laughs> that. They understood it. But, um, yeah. Look, okay, back on track. So, maneuverous... Uh, in a maneuver way of theory, when you go and solve a problem, what are your assets? Yeah. Uh, what are your assets as a whole? What assets' uh, strengths might be one of your other assets' weaknesses? So combine those assets together, and in aggregation, they should be a more effective tool. I mean, like if you're an infantry commander, don't be a jerk. Be a nice guy. Call down some artillery on the target so your soldiers have an easier job of it. Exactly. Bring in some tanks to help them exactly. out. Like combine arms really is just helping them out. Hashtag bring in some tanks. Bring in some tanks. Tank uh, next one, flexibility. Yes. Uh, flexibility to be able to react to the enemy. Yep. Uh, adapt- adaptability is probably tied into flexibility yeah, as I well. I mean, with flexibility, I think about stretching the enemy's forces. Yeah, that's good. Stretching. I don't know why that's funny. You're looking at me like you just made a joke. Listeners, he just made a joke. I just I better warn you. Flexibility and stretching. I think they go really well together. <laughs> be like gymnast. Um, oh, man, but the flex- but the flexibility, building your force to be able to have the flexibility to deal with the to, enemy and to react and to, to be able different to situations and scenarios that you can expect. And the final one, decentralized command. Uh, we're talking about a mission command uh, style of situation here. Having your junior commanders be able to react to the schwerpunkt in accordance with the tempo um, to achieve surprise in a combined arms setting. This is the kind of thing that ties it all together. Uh, and back to the episode of mission command that we talked about before. So these are the six. Uh, things that war theorist Martin Van Krevold has sort of said make up maneuver theory tempo time schwerpunkt where focusing focusing surprise making sure your enemy doesn't know combining your arms to aggregate power flexibility to react under a decentralized command which should then sort of relinks back to that tempo idea so I mean when you break all this down common education within the military structure would say this is the only way forward yeah, okay. Is there another way forward besides maneuver well, warfare, Mick? Tell if me. This is the only way forward. That's a rather attrition approach to developing concepts within the military. That was my mind blowing. Mind blowing. Um, no, look, it is. And this is this is the point that you made at the start that was really good. And it really hurts me to say that. Thank but, you. Thank um, you. Tenants of maneuver warfare understand that attrition is important. Yep. Um, because really. It's really hard to win a war if you're not killing the other guy. Um, And attrition, generally, sustained attacks and sustained pressure, involves a lot of death and destruction. Um, But they are... Attrition is a key point, I think, of maneuver warfare. And if you understand that, then you can have a mindset of, I am a maneuver warfare-focused person because I will still utilise the aspects of attrition if I need to... Sometimes you have no choice. Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll talk about the Pacific campaign at some stage, and 
you know, the differences between what they could do in the Southwest Pacific and the Central Pacific, you know, Central Pacific, they just had to hit those islands regardless. Yep. Yep. And they just had to go hard at them. Whereas the Southwest campaign, they could pick and choose. Yeah. Let me punctuate your excellent point there. As long as you don't punctuate my face, I'm happy. Uh, there is an article that I stumbled across on the Small War Wars Journal by William F. Owen. Good friend of the show. And it is entitled The Maneuver Warfare Fraud. Ooh, now, you're a fraud. Great, great article. Every junior officer that's out there, in fact, every officer that's out there who thinks they understand what maneuver warfare is, go to the Small Wars Journal. Every student of war. Read William F. Owen. Yep. The maneuver warfare fraud because it, it, it really gets you thinking. Now, he has great issues between this debate, this philosophical debate that we spoke about of being a maneuverist or being attritionist. He has a issue that the concept is that if you are a maneuverist, you are clever. And, and you know, that's the upbringing. You, yeah. you must maneuver because maneuvering is what clever people do. And that if you are the opposite, if you are an attritionist, you are clumsy with the way that you do war. And he yeah. uses World War One. The generals of World War One, they are clumsy because they are attritionists because yeah. they just send waves and waves and waves. Because they must have been stupid people. Must have been. That's what people exactly. assume, exactly. isn't it? And another, you know, another way he puts it is that people say that maneuver is the art of warfare, whereas attrition is the science of warfare. <laughs> So, you know, he raises this concept that, you, you know, why do you have to be either a maneuverist or why do you have to be an attritionist? Really, in warfare, they're complementary to each other. Yeah. You need to understand the cleverness of being maneuverist, but you need to also understand the clumsiness of being attritional. You need to understand the art of maneuvering around the wall, but you need to understand the science of, well, would it be easy to go through the wall and, and what sort of second yeah. or third order Is it going to save have? me time? Exactly, exactly. So, Can I afford to lose a few nuns? Exactly. <laughs> Does the world need this many nuns? <laughs> um, and it's a great article because it, it gets you thinking about things not in absolutes. And, and, and I hate thinking about things in absolutes. Absolutely hate it. I agree with you. Absolutely. <laughs> he talks about Little Heart. Now... Little Heart. Um, Little Heart. Now that that is actually his name. That's that's not a nickname for the size of his compassion or empathy. It is L I W D E double L Heart. H A R T. And he um, he was a one of the original sort of I suppose theorists. Correct me if I'm wrong. Of maneuver warfare, he put pen to paper um, after World War One, and really the yeah. I mean he 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 was he. from what I've read of Little Heart, I'm not sure if he uses the word maneuver warfare. He uses indirect approach. Yeah, indirect, exactly right. And he yeah. and, and he he talks about this indirect approach being clever about it, but we need to understand the context that Little Heart was coming out of World War One and what he assumed was heavy attritional warfare. Yeah, and well, I think we could probably all assume it was pretty heavy attritional warfare. <laughs> Sorry, that heavy attritional warfare was a choice made by the yeah, generals that's right, as that's opposed right. to maneuver And, and he had a lot of emotion tied to this. Exactly. And this article goes on to highlight that, you know, when you look at World War One, it was essentially a, a very unique anomaly that occurred as a result of the, the times. Not to say that it couldn't occur again. But well, it did like 20 years later. Exactly right. <laughs> but the, the attritional part of it, you know, it started with yeah. great maneuver. It started with sweeping armies yeah. going through large and, and terrain. It, and it ended um, with, and it ended with, with some, very, some very good um, you know, divisional level maneuvers. Exactly right. Now, he talks about Sun Tzu. Um, Bless you. <laughs> Never gets old. Never gets old. But you know that the oh, focus. Oh, they're parrots. That's what they are. They're parrots. They're like rosellas. Uh, anyway, sorry. W- without <laughs> seeing you pointing at those birds, very difficult for people to understand. Ah, <laughs> uh, got it. But he talks about how Sun Tzu, um, you know, when he was talking about being 
being maneuverist he was talking about mixing in what we would talk about strategy mixing in the politics mixing in the social aspects as well as the military as well okay so it's a great article I would highly suggest uh, looking it up and uh, really expanding your knowledge of maneuver warfare what else are you seeing out there Mick well I think people should expand their knowledge on warfare by listening to podcasts (laughs) yeah Um, obviously this one's uh, a good recommendation um, there's other podcasts out there. I don't know if you know any, but they're worth listening to. I don't think I've covered it on the other show, actually. So just ignore that, everyone. Um, look, there's a... Was it... Um, what's Lynn's first name? Was it William Lind? Okay, I don't know. Uh, I've, I've, got, I've got a book called Maneuver Warfare at Home that he's, he's uh, written in. Um, yep. And the idea of recon pull versus recon push uh, and mission command, which is a, probably one of our most um, successful episodes. Yeah. So. Thanks, there was a, at least three to four people listen to that one. Yeah, not every single one of them was our mums. Uh, <laughs> our wives may have even downloaded it. Mine didn't. Actually, mine didn't. Um, but, you know, the idea of recon pull is probably a little bit more what people would consider manoeuvrist yeah. um, versus a recon push, which people are like, oh, it doesn't have mission command. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah. Um, but that's one of those situations where you just have to go there. Exactly. But um, one thing we haven't talked about is surfaces and gaps. Services and gaps is very interesting. Um, kind of tied to recon pull, tied to kind of recon yeah, push. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I think of. Um, so services and gaps are pretty simple. Don't um, try and find the gaps well, in the I mean, strengths. I, I think we have covered it. By talking about the wall. By talking about the wall and nuns and buses. <laughs> but I, guess, yeah, I guess we haven't done the buzz, buzzword bingo. Buses and nuns. No, so services and gaps are manoeuvrists try and aim for the gaps whenever possible rather yeah. than hit the hard surface. Yeah, exactly right. Look, so let's um, let's put a pin in this one. What have we what have we got out of today? It's not with, a grenade. Uh, or do you pull a pin from a grenade? But, uh, yeah, and you put it back in if you made a mistake. It's not a good analogy for this. <laughs> not a good analogy. So let's let's wrap all this up. <laughs> Although this episode may be. A what have we learned today? Well, I think much like we talked about with mission command, where mission command was seen as the the pinnacle of leadership the pinnacle of command the only way forward i think that we've we've talked about how maneuver theory uh we've kind of been brought up in a culture and the readings especially from that article um by william would would suggest the americans are the same they get brought up in a culture where it is maneuver theory and nothing else but realistically if you look at history and you kind of understand war theory the, the the truth is that maneuver theory and attrition theory as by ways of war are very much complementary of each other yeah and that you know if you want to be a, a master of your trade you should sort of master the concepts of both and not sort of focus on one and not the other pretty hard pill to swallow in my opinion do you say peel or pill uh pill uh, yeah, pretty hard pill to swallow in my opinion and, and i'm not really sure why do you think you can understand why why that it's very hard for us to fathom that it we attrition is I think, a good thing. I think because we, well one, Little Hearts campaign was quite successful, but also I think we, people like to categorise stuff, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, um, and it's really hard to uh, reconcile what people assume or is sold as competing concepts. In fact, I think that's one of the true marks of intelligence is if you're able to um, hold within a thought to um, competing concepts and give them due uh, regard, equal due regard. Which is why we're idiots, because we're obviously not doing that, talking about manoeuvre versus attrition. But attrition was sold pretty hard as a good way to get your soldiers killed. Yep. Um, and it, it's taken a while for people to come back and realise that, you know, even with the fighting that's been going on in Iraq, in Mosul right now, like, you know, 
they're, they're probably taking some very maneuverous approaches in very indirect ways. But sometimes you can only go forward by bombing something or, yeah. or, or destroying something. And the idea um, that we've had attached to attrition being a bad word has created this this oppositional force between maneuver and attrition. And, and you know, you, you sort of brought it into a, a realm that we didn't have time to get through today, and that is, you know, what's maneuverous, what's attrition at each level of war? You know what yeah. I mean? The tactical, tactical versus operational versus blown. strategic. Yeah, and, and that's probably a good way to sort of end this. And when I talk about the debate between maneuver and attrition, the kind of first time that I, my eyes were really open about attrition not being such a bad thing is probably the Korea, the Korea War. Um, yeah. Now, we're going to talk about the Korea War in 60 seconds or less. <laughs> and Not saying that um, it was good to have all those people... No, 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 no. L- l- let me finish my thought. <laughs> I don't want to. Yes, go on. In Korea, uh, you had a situation where there was fighting that pushed troops all the way down to the south. And then there was fighting to push troops all the way back to the north. Yeah. And then they came south again, and then they eventually came to a deadlock um, around the middle, around the sort of militarized demilitarized zone between uh north and south korea so what happened well in very very quick layman's terms they switched to attrition warfare in order to get a maneuverous approach uh uh, sorry and a a maneuverous outcome at the strategic level okay so you know what you had here was tactical and operational and, and almost strategic attrition so that you could get the the strategy or the outcome that you wanted and to me i was like coming from world war ii where this happened in some way but you didn't come from world war ii came from central queensland talking about world war ii now talking about korea i was like wow the use of attrition to win a war uh i think to me sort of highlighted the difference or or when you think that i'm just a maneuverist maneuver is the only way forward blow your mind it did blow my mind <laughs> Not as much as your soundboard has been blown by the looks of it. Oh, damn it. Okay, but good. That good. was really bad. Better hey? late than never. But yeah, no, so Korea for me was a good example. No, of I think that. Korea is a really good example. It's also. Let's do it also shows when. Um, what was that? We'll, we'll do an episode on Korea. Yeah, let's do it. Because we can talk about like the difference between replacing senior officers who have slightly different mindsets. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. And we can talk okay. about And we can talk about Hapkido. What? Yeah, <laughs> wicked. Okay. So before we uh, before we wrap this thing up, uh, check out our Facebook page. We are heavily into social media, Twitter feed at uh, War Numeral Four Idiots. Yeah. Um, you can engage with me. I am at Richie underscore TTT, and I am at Mick underscore Cook. And whilst you're there, jump on, look at the pinned tweet. And support my fundraising for Soldier On in the Camera Times fundraiser. That's right. That's right. Yeah, get on there. Mick is going to run and I'm going to videotape all of it. And I'm going to wear tights. I just haven't decided which pair. So until next time, this is Rich. And this is Mick. And remember that we may be idiots. But so are you. See you next time. War for Idiots is a TDP production. All opinions expressed by individuals on the podcast are those of the individual and not necessarily representative of any other organisation. The music used during Wolf Idiots is Fireworks by Jazar and is used under an attribution share alike 3.0 international licence.